Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics, Baby Lock, The Electric Quilt Company, and Northcott. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. It's so amazing when I see somebody's quilt and I'm like, oh, you know, how did they do that? They're using all these different fabrics and the design uh, balance is just wonderful. It just, you know, it just grabs you and you have to keep looking at it. That's the way Ann Shaw's quilts are. She creates with lots of different fabric and it's something that is intriguing to many of us. And so, Ann, I am excited to have you here. Well, thanks for having me on today, Pat. Now, a lot of your projects, they're pictorial, right? That's right. Um, I learned this style of making piece pictorial quilts from Ruth McDowell. Uh, Ruth, if, if people haven't looked up Ruth McDowell's work, it's um, it's very similar to Anne's. <laughs> it's like, and, uh, That's right. It, that's right. <laughs> and her, she's, she was a longtime quilter, uh, still making wonderful quilts. Uh, and Ruth is the one who invented this technique of making pictorial quilts, but making them as piece quilts rather than as appliques or fused quilts. One of the signature things is that use of fabric. It's... Um, like exuberant use of fabric. There's like no fabric that can't go next to something else in, in your quilts. Uh, you know, I would love to know a little bit about how you approach picking fabric. Okay. Um, one of the things I tend to take a look at when I'm trying to figure out what kind of fabrics to use, uh, say I'm working on a red poppy. Um, the first thing I want to think about is does the Fabric itself, uh, especially the background part of the of, uh, printed fabric, read as red. Does it strike you as a red or maybe as an off-red or an orange, uh, uh, some color like that? So the background fabric, the, the main color in the fabric, uh, is often very important. But I'm also looking for multiple colors in that same fabric. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, so you might have like – so give me an example – like cream. Um, so say it's a it's a it's mostly a red fabric, but it might have little bits of black or little bits of yellow or even mm-hmm. some green or blue in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking for not just a tone on tone red fabric, but a fabric that is going to have multiple colors in it, even though there's still one dominant color to it. When you're actually looking at the fabric, are you sort of in your mind saying, "Okay, this one's red, this one's red, this one's red"? You're like you're not getting too bogged down in uh, in the little details of what's in there? Uh, I don't get bogged down with the details, but also uh, I'll pull out a whole range of fabric. So I'll pull out mm-hmm. reds that tend toward orange or reds that t- tend toward burgundy. Uh, there might be some reds that tend toward a little bit of purple. So my definition of red might be actually quite broad. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason for that is if you use reds that don't, um, precisely match with each other, um, that gives you an opportunity to really create some depth in the look of your quilt. Yeah, I, I like that concept because I think quilters tend to get a, a very focused on the shades, you know, like, and, and your pieces that you're doing, Anne, are not gigantic. So you're making all of this blend in smaller works. 
in smaller work, most of the quilts I make are wall hangings. Um, some of them are, say, the size of a throw pillow, but most of them are wall hangings, about 20 or 30 inches by about 40 inches. Um, so there are lots of little bits of fabric in it, uh, even though there might be some bigger pieces of fabric as well, especially in the background. You know, when people might look at these um, quilts at first, they might think that they're paper-pieced. Um, but why don't you tell me how you actually construct your quilts? Yeah, so the technique I used is called freezer paper templates. Uh, and in some ways it has some similarities to paper piecing, but it's really not designed to be paper pieced. Mm-hmm. Um, I will make a master pattern, and then the first thing I do is to make a freezer paper copy of it. Um, I add tick marks and um, uh, labels on the back of it that will help me with piecing uh, when I get to piecing it. Uh, but then I take that freezer paper template and I cut it apart one piece at a time. Uh, by cutting it apart um, and ironing those template pieces onto the wrong side of a, fa- a piece of fabric that I've selected for that template, that allows me to audition all the fabrics. Um, and it also means that when I uh, am auditioning the fabrics, I can stand back and take a look at the piece. And if there's some fabric that isn't working, then it's really easy to change it out. So in concept, does it look like um, sort of like English paper piecing in a way, but not turning Um, it under and all that? It's actually much more like traditional patchwork. Um, Now, the pieces are kind of oddly shaped, and (laughs) and then it sews together in the section. And the sections themselves may be oddly shaped. But most of my patterns and most of the designs I make sew together with whole straight seams. So uh, if you follow the sewing directions or if you follow the sewing order in one of the particular patterns, it will sew together very easily, and it does then just sew together like traditional patchwork. Yeah, I, I always, you know, I, I don't know that I've tried this, Anne. You know, I've read about it, um, but I'm not sure. I'm trying to think back. Maybe a long time ago I did some, you know, just a little tiny piece because I like the size of your projects because they're very doable. Yes, they're very doable. It's easy to get them done in just a couple of days. And I'm always having students who are making them uh, to hang on their walls and to make them as presents. Yeah. So you also use the term gesture design. Tell me what that is. Yeah, so um, my my designs usually start out as a photograph, either a photograph that I take or a photograph from um, a family member takes, or maybe it's an old family photograph. Um, and because I base my quilts on photographs, I thought it might be a good idea to learn something about photo composition. Ah. And in composition, there's this idea called gesture. And it occurred to me that there's this kind of natural connection between where seam lines fall in a quilt, and the gesture of a quilt. Okay, so what does that mean in, like, like layman terms? <laughs> yeah, okay. So a gesture usually refers to the lines or shapes in an image and how okay. those lines and shapes in a photograph guide our eye. Um, So looking at, uh, say, a pier in a photograph and how the length of the pier would guide our eye. Um, Now, if we apply that idea to what happens in a piece quilt, um, the long seam lines in a piece quilt act the same kind of way because we'll actually see those as a line in the quilt. So they, too, will guide your eye. So if we're really thoughtful about where we place those main seam lines, the last Mm -hmm. few seams that we would sew in these quilts, um, and have them work in the same way or resonate with the way that the lines in the image are working, 
um, then you end up with really a much better design. Okay, so it's really about the design creation at that point, the, the gesture, the lines, is how to build a successful design. That's right. Um, okay. And making sure that the way you put those main seam lines as you begin to create this pieced uh, design uh, work relative to the um, what's going on in the image. But what's interesting about it, it isn't just following the outside edge of something. Often what we're doing is we're taking those long seam lines and we're actually cutting through the image, maybe mm-hmm. because of the way someone is looking in the image or, or because um, of the way the shapes are working in the image. You don't follow the edge of something, you cut through it. What that means then is it allows you to create piecing that actually makes the image more interesting and gives you more opportunity for fabric selections. So tell me, walk me through one of the projects, just sort of you know, at a high level, Anne, about how you used a um, photo and maybe how you looked at the line and, and then maybe a little bit about the fabric. Okay. Um, so I recently um, made a, uh, a quilt of my husband when he was a little boy. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting on the stoop of his parents' house. And he had his legs stretched out and his shoulders were tilted and his head was tilted in an interesting direction. And it was the stretch of his leg and the tilt of his shoulders and the tilt of his head that created the gesture in the quilt. Mm-hmm. So then I took seam lines that ran in those same directions. And each one of them ran through his pant leg, one ran under his chin, one ran through the uh, the, the clothing where his shoulders were. Mm-hmm. So that the, line, the seam lines ran in the same way that uh, his body was positioned. Um, I then finished creating the rest of the piece design, um, and then I started with fabric selections. Um, he had a rust-colored jacket on that day, but I yeah. didn't need just one piece of rust-colored fabric. I ended up using seven or eight, um, mm-hmm. and in that case, all of them had similar scale prints, and um, the look of the prints was similar, and yet they were all slightly different. Some were darker, some were lighter, and that's what allowed me to help create some of the, um, uh, the, the the wrinkles in his jacket and mm-hmm. the fold at his elbow. Um, and then the trick is to figure out what to put in the background, something it, that um, looks good with it but doesn't compete with the fabrics that are in the uh, jacket and the pants of the little boy. Right, because if if you take a look, if, you know, you go out to Anne's website, com, and you can look through her, her work photos and really get a sense for the this line um, – and and how the backgrounds and how the foreground of the of the image is because you're not afraid of color, Anne. I mean, you are like soaking color <laughs> into your pieces, just like you know, yes, yeah. I think yes, a lot of times really people be like, oh, colors. well, it won't show up. It's like, no, it actually does. Right, right. And I often depend on lots of contrast in the prints that I use. I'm asking the prints to do part of the designing, so you need a lot of contrast that will actually show up when you're looking at the quilt in order to create the wrinkles in the jacket or the wrinkles in the pants. And, and such as, um, you know, go, switching off from uh, the little boy image, but you have one of a, of a daylily where you've used some of the pattern to very effectively to create sort of like a second image in each of the petals. Yes, yes. So the pattern in the, in the, uh, the fabrics, helps to break up all of the orange that's in that particular um, petal. Mm-hmm. If it were just orange, it would look nice, but by introducing some other colors and some rather bold um, 
uh, pattern in some of those petals, uh, I think it adds a sort of dynamic quality that you wouldn't see otherwise. And we have about 20 seconds. Uh, you teach, um, so where can they find your schedule? Uh, my schedule is posted on my, uh, on my website, uh, andrealtcolting.com, um, as well as my patterns um, and other information about the things I like to do. Yeah, and this has been fabulous. Everybody needs to check out Anne's work and take a workshop. This is incredible. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Pat. Moda Fabrics started in 1975 as United Notions. Today, Moda Fabrics leads the way with innovative fabrics designed in-house and by many of the industry's most popular designers and creative talents. As for United Notions, it continues to distribute the very best notions, books, patterns, and supplies available. Moda Fabrics and Supplies is what you may hear them go by now, but they still have the same great products and customer service they've had for more than 40 years. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest in fabric and notion. Want to design your own quilts? Now you can with Electric Quilt 8 software. Design quilts, blocks, and import your favorite fabrics. Or use any of the thousands of designs in the library. Podcast listeners, take 20% off your purchase through May 31st, 2019 with code PODEQ8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan. When I saw... Um, Karen Tripp's work out you know, on Instagram. I was on Instagram scrolling around. There was like every time I would look at something with English paper piecing, it would be like the DIY addict, the DIY addict. And I'm like, okay, who is this? Let's meet Karen uh, because she has uh, incredible style. She has this great business uh, supporting English paper piecing of all varieties, incredible varieties. Karen, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. So first tell me, how did you get the DIY attic? Because you're kind of focused on English paper piecing at the moment. Yeah, I know, I know. And and quickly, we just, we were going to change it to the EPP attic, but then we started selling <laughs> fabric. So then we yeah. said, okay, let's just keep it. I already have a brand. Yeah. And so um, when I was growing up, my dad always told us, first and foremost, if you want something done right, you must do it yourself. Mm. And so, I, you know, so I've always been that kind of person where I have decided I could do almost anything, but I'm going to do it myself. And yeah. so that's where the name came from, and, and I, you know, was doing other things with that. So I am a total do-it-yourselfer. Yeah. Yep. I love that. You have, you're, you described yourself to me, like when we were, you know, going back and forth in the beginning as a, a serial entrepreneur. So you have done a lot of different things, uh, at businesses and different, um, you know, types of work. But how did you, 
How did you land here in the land of English paper piecing? Yeah, I know. I, I am a Jane of all trades, a master of nothing. <laughs> but, you know, I started sewing when I was 10 years old and uh, garments mostly. And mm-hmm. so that's, I don't want well, 50 years ago. So I've been sewing very seriously for 50 years. So I know my way around a sewing machine. Um, and I was on Pinterest one day, you know, down that rabbit hole, and I mm-hmm. saw the La Paz quilt, and I thought, Oh, wow. I, you know, I'm going to make that. I'm not, and I'm not really, you know, I haven't been really a quilter per se. Mm-hmm. I did make a quilt in college that was part of an art project. And I have along the way made some quilts, but, but not, you know, elaborate machine quilting. So I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. call myself a quilter, but I saw this La Paz and I thought, Oh, wow. I'm going to make that. I had no idea what I was getting myself <laughs> into. Um, but I am a hand sewer. I've made wedding dresses, tons with lots of beading. So I, I'm a hand stitcher. Um, and so I just, I thought, wow, that's really gorgeous. And I kind of got into it. I, I bought the papers and I just, well, wait, let me just try and see. And, um, I fell in love with it. And, you know, there was a huge learning curve, but I, I got it. Mm-hmm. And, I fell in love and and made my first English paper piecing pattern, and and that quilt got into Houston, Ah. so it was shown there. And and I Mm -hmm. kind of became this, you know, pseudo-expert in EPP, but but I think what what made the difference for me is the La Paz is is a very hard quilt to make. It's Mm -hmm. intricate and complicated, and I started shooting these videos, these how-to videos, Mm -hmm. and so that kind of launched me into being this expert in EPP is is really the how-to video. So I, I get a, a lot of views and a lot of questions every day about how do you do the La Paz. And then it, it mushrooms into, you know, EPP in general. So that's how I got here. <laughs> that's how you got. And you didn't get here that long ago. You've been, you just kind of zoomed right to the head of the class. You uh, have been doing this just for a few years and have this incredibly wonderful website full of colorful English yeah. paper piecing projects yeah. and um, you know, can we just let's you know because we have such short amount of time, uh, Karen. Let's right. talk first about some of the techniques of English paper piecing because you have this yeah. great variety right now of patterns that you're offering for you know that people mm-hmm. can find other designers, your designs. Um, yeah. What what is rather than starting with a very complicated, large, intricate piece, how can mm-hmm. people get into this? Yeah, you know, and and that's a we, that's a great question, and then we get that all the time. What mm-hmm. what pattern would you suggest? And and you know, sometimes grandmother's flower garden, or just start with hexes. But a lot of times, people can get bored with that if you aren't mm-hmm. making a pattern of some kind. And so maybe you might lose interest. But I but I do feel like the hexagon is a great shape to start with. Um, so, you know, if you want to, like, really just at the bare minimum, buy a few papers and see if it is something you're interested in. Because it is different. It is hand sewing. It goes slow. you got to be patient. And there is a learning curve. Mm-hmm. So I always suggest trying some hexes first. And then... And then if you think you're remotely interested, then maybe buy a simple pattern, maybe Smitten or um, I Have Mischief. And mm-hmm. there, there's quite a few patterns out there. And so that that's what I suggest is, is start with the hexagon. 
Yeah. Yeah. Start with start with the hexagon. We all have this little pile of hexes. I even have a yeah. pile of them. That's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you can do so much with them. You can do, mm-hmm. make a pillow. You can, you know, you can do elaborate patterns. So they're really versatile. But I think so. You can never have too many hexes, and I, yes. again, that that's where I would start. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's a good. That's a good suggestion because people feel like oh, they see these other designs, but I would mm-hmm. feel you know, like I I can do a lot of things if I put my mind to it. But I think oh, you know, I need to get my skills up a little bit on that folding mm-hmm. over the paper part and all of that before I would go into yeah. the more complicated shapes because some of them are pretty unusual shapes to maneuver well yeah or, or there's points and you're trying to mm-hmm. match up you know like a, a six eight pointed star that's tricky mm-hmm. in the middle so yeah i wouldn't start with that because you are going to get discouraged and again mm-hmm. there is a little bit of a learning curve so yes. you know it might turn you off so right. don't start there <laughs> start right right with don't start there thing. just stay with me on the hexy trail that's like <laughs> so, yeah so, exactly Right. Two other things I want to get in. One of them would be what's you you have a particular stitch to put them together that you like, right? Yes, I uh huh. It's called the flat back stitch. And mm-hmm. I um I, I came across it by accident when I first started. I looked at a couple videos and I started whip stitching. And when I unfolded my papers flat, they, they weren't lining up. Of course, mm-hmm. there's a, there was a lot of other issues. I was using a needle <laughs> the size of a crowbar, and you know, I was I was using really fat thread. It looked like I was crocheting, so I had some other issues. But I, I don't know. It just it wasn't coming together. It wasn't matching up. And so I thought, you know, what if I just put, you know, lay them out flat like a puzzle, and already put the pieces together, and I stitch it from the backside. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's what I did. And then I thought, well, what is this stitch anyway? So yeah. I got on social media and I, I was asking around, like, does anybody know what this is called? Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. Some people who say, oh, that's how I do it. But it was, it was kind of one of those things where no one had talked about it really mm-hmm. and formalized it. And so, you know, once again, I made a video and yeah. I named it the flat back stitch because I, it was hard to even reference because it didn't have a name that I knew of. Right, right. And so, and the beauty of the flat back stitch is that the stitches don't show on the front. And that That's was just great. sort of serendipitous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Was, that wasn't my intention. And it's perfect for curves. If if you're doing any curved EPP, that's Mm -hmm. the stitch you should do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I came about that. It was totally accidental. (laughs) I'm going to try it because that's the one thing for me is that I've been, you know, I've did a lot of hand applique. So, you know, I'm always like, you don't want to see that thread. You know, that is my my goal. Um, So tell me, talk to me a little bit now about fabric like fussy cutting. Fussy cutting, for those of you who don't know what it is, is being sure that you get like the same image maybe in all the different shapes or you're, you know, making it so that you can see a particular image. You don't just cut it randomly. How do you plan for that, Karen? I think that that might be one of the hardest (laughs) things for a a bigger project. Yes, it is. But but again, it's it's always going back to the base color, you know, what Mm -hmm. you're working with. So, you, you know, you're I I used to take the little mirrors. You can buy the the two little mm. mirrors that are hinged, and it shows you the repeat. 
Mm-hmm. So you can see, you can move the mirrors around on the fabric and see what your repeat is. Now, it depends on what shape you're using. Usually fussy cutting like a five-pointed star or star shape yield the best, you know, secondary design, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But you can you can use a mirror. That's, that's helpful in finding repeating patterns, you know, small repeating patterns. I can kind of see them now. I've been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to try to find your element and then, you know, look at it in different ways that it will repeat and make the second pattern. Yeah. Is, is, so that, is that your question? Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is there like, I've seen some of the templates that are, have, um, um, the middle is out. It's like, mm-hmm. they're just like, like yeah. rims. How do you use those? Exactly. So that if you don't have the mirrors, you, you don't need those. You can move your, and you, you, either you have the middle out or you have a clear middle or maybe a slight color of the acrylic template and you can see through and you just kind of move it around the fabric and see, you know, will, will the, you know, the leprechaun fit within the shape? Are you cutting off mm-hmm. his feet? You know, or is his head going to be too big? So, you, you know, right. you have to look and see what you're working with, if it's going to mm-hmm. fit in the shape. And you can mm-hmm. see that either, you know, with with all the different acrylics, they'll have either a line or there won't be a middle, so you can actually see it. Yeah, yeah. Like and, a and there's times when, but yeah, exactly. And I've, you know, I've cut out shapes and put them together. And, and before I sew it together, I'm going to look at them all together. And, and it mm-hmm. didn't turn out, you know, it didn't make the shape I thought. But that's okay. I keep those and I have a little orphan box and I'll, I'll make them <laughs> into something. So it's not always a done deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would imagine that that, that would be the, the best thing then to just like, well, if it didn't work out, just don't stress about it. Just try, no. you know, focusing or try looking at it differently. Exactly. But but don't give up on, you know, those shapes. So let's, say, let's say I made a five-pointed star and I had those five shapes. I'm going to keep those and I'm going to maybe stitch those into something else. So, you know, don't, don't get down on yourself and think it's a total waste. You can reuse those, repurpose. So, yeah. And we have, we yeah. have about a minute. What are you working on now, personally? Uh, well, great. Yeah, we have a new designer that we're working with, Sarah Thomas. I'm really excited about that. She is uh, with Hoffman Fabrics. She just designed her first line of fabric called Paradigm. And we're, we're, we're pairing up and, and collaborating on, uh, an EPP pattern that goes directly with that fabric. So that that's what I am loving about this business is collaborating. And and you understand you're doing the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and get you know, getting that design energy from somebody else and just working off of that is is, you know, it's intoxicating. It's fabulous. So we're excited about that and that's coming out at, at market, spring market. Well, Karen, this has yeah. been extraordinary. Just, I just love what you're doing. The colors, Thank they you. are enticing. I'm like looking at the pollinate thinking I can do it. Thank uh, you for being here. Yeah, you can. Thank, <laughs> I can, I can. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Pat. We'll talk again. Okay.
sewing machine is the heart and soul of my design process, and working on a machine that clicks with me makes it easy for me to create. That's why I use a variety of baby lock machines, especially the Crescendo. Baby lock has thought through everything I need to have to create amazing quilts. I love that the control panel on my Crescendo is so intuitive and easy to use. Best of all, it's large enough to see clearly. The Crescendo's features remind me that everything BabyLock does is for the love of sewing. Do you want to learn something new? Solve a sewing problem? Or simply be inspired to start a new project? Moda Fabrics is here to help, and it won't cost you a thing. Visit ModaFabrics.com for free patterns, computer wallpapers, sewing tips and reference guides, and fun sewing printables. You can even find coordinating Modabella solids or fill threads and hex values to any image uploaded with the new Palette Builder tool. Visit modafabrics.com and click on Free and Fun to find all this and more. And for free and fun right in your social feed, follow Moda Fabrics on Instagram. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan. I, you know, I heard the name St. Louis Folk Victorian, and I'm like, okay, okay, I need to know what this is all about. And Christy Dom is the designer behind uh, this fabulous you know, name and patterns, and she's also one of the Ulfa creator team members that I'm on the team with this year, so that was perfect. Christy, thanks for being here. Thank you very much. You know, you you um told me that you know we were talking back and forth, and you said that you know quite a few years ago now you had like this total shift in the type of quilts that you like to make. What was going on? So I have been quilting for over twenty five years, and I was always sort of making things that were a little off the grid, you know, not very <laughs> traditional. But um, in twenty ten, I came across the Modern Quilt Guild, and that like changed everything. <laughs> Ah, so what happened when you saw that type of quilt? What did you feel? So I felt like these people in the the quilters like understood me, mm. <laughs> and um, and their quilts um, were things that I was uh, very impressed by and wanted to actually start making, which mm-hmm. is pretty much what happened. I kind of dove in head first. Mm-hmm. When when you did that, did you find uh, a diff- difficulty transitioning from, like, one style of quilts to another? So the biggest transition was my fabric stash. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was very um, traditional, and all of a sudden I'm like, I need more solids, I need more fun prints and colors and all of that stuff. Um, but overall, I'd say that it was an easy transition for me um, because I was already making things that were a little different. And I found that I was very interested in things that now are considered like modern traditional. So it kind of worked out nicely for me. Were you already writing online about your quilt making or other things under St. Louis Folk Victorian? Oh, no. Um, My dad will actually, he continues to give me crap about that. Um, I was, St. Louis Victorian came about um, because I have an 1880s farmhouse. 
Mm-hmm. And I was just blogging about my house and the renovation. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm going to start talking about quilts. Yeah. So I started putting on more um, posts about quilting. And ever so often, he's like, are you ever going to talk about your house again? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So you're still renovating this house, this uh, Victorian house? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in the middle of a construction zone right now. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Yeah, it needs a lot of work. It needs a lot of work. But I'm, I'm actually enjoying it a lot, making it more me, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, the house, well, it's like, well, you know, some quilts just never finish. Houses are the same way. You know, they just go on and on, don't they? Yeah, they, uh... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the type of quilt you like to make right now. Maybe you could, you know, even use an example of, of the quilt you did for the Ulfa Creators series. So um, the type of quilts that I love to make now are, like I had mentioned, they're called modern traditional. So I take things that are inspired by traditional and history, what has come before, and kind of tweak them a little bit. Mm -hmm. It could be due to the materials I have on hand. Um, I might be adding more negative space. Um, I might be adding more colors or prints versus something that, you know, was before. Um, Mm -hmm. But now what I am doing is, trying to come up with different ideas that, again, have come before but kind of make them different. Mm -hmm. And um, one of them that I had, well, two of them that I had made were my starred quilt, which I believe you had posted um, on the Instagram and all of that sort of stuff, and then Mm -hmm. a modernized disappearing nine patch. So so I just love that the fact that you take um a, what you know it's like a traditional star block and then you're adding this ex- excitement to it you know it's this sort of other mm-hmm. energy um do you how do you sketch those out do you do you like to draw by hand or use a computer So it depends sometimes I'll do just graph paper and sometimes I will hop on EQ and you know play around with some things mm-hmm. um and then sometimes I just will start kind of a mix of everything. I'll start with something, and then once I actually start making blocks, I lay it out on my floor and just start messing around. Yeah. So you, so, so you will actually design it, like, as you go sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes yeah. that definitely happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how, you know, I used to do that a lot, and I've gotten away from it. It's more, it's fun to do it that way. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, and it's a little hard, though, when you – I'm playing around randomly, and then all of a sudden it's like, man, this would make a great pattern. And I'm like, now I have to reverse it and figure right. out what I just did. <laughs> right, right, yeah. That's the downfall. When you when you do it in advance, then you sort of – you already have the plan. If it's uh, Later you have, they have to go back, like, what size was that block, you know? So <laughs> – Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when, um, are you, when you – do some of your projects you have a few that are a little bit different um you you did some pixelated quilts and i would love to hear a little bit about that sort of series that you did oh sure so um i was inspired by the ron swanson quilt that um monica had made and that hung at quilt con i think in like 2013 and i'm like this is awesome i want to try to do this so that's a big commitment, though. You have to really be devoted to something. So I'm like, what would I want to pixelate? So I'm a big um, Doctor Who and Sherlock fan. Mm. So I, you know, was playing around, and I'm like, I'm going to make a Doctor Who quilt. 
So I made my first one, and I called it the tenth. For those people who are not familiar with Doctor Who, it um, essentially pixelates the actor David Tennant, who's been in a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And I used this free software that's like a cross-stitch program. Okay. And played around and got the fabric based upon the floss colors and just started putting this together. And it was really just for me. Like, if I could mm-hmm. actually do this, it would it turn out okay. And I posted it online, and all of a sudden I knew people who were, you know, quilting would be, oh, this is really cool, that sort of stuff. But then I got the whole other side of it, the people who were huge fans of Doctor Who and all of that. (laughs) And that opened up a lot of doors, too, to talk to people who were not familiar with quilting. Um, That I could say, hey, look, quilts actually are still made. You know, you don't have to buy them at the store. Right. So I had done that one, and I'm like, I am never doing another one of these again. It's not Mm going to happen. And maybe like two years later, I made another one, (laughs) and it was a Benedict Cumberbatch um, from the PBS series Sherlock. Wow. Now, you told me that you had these hanging in some museums then? Oh, yes. So the the Sherlock one hung at the Madison College Gallery. And the Doctor Who one hung at the Racine Art Museum um, in Wisconsin. I think it's Wisconsin. Um, and then they both were at the St. Louis Science Center, which seems oh, wow. a little strange. But yeah. they both hung there for these huge events that they were having. And it was really cool because people came up and wanted to get their picture taken with them. <laughs> but just like it was like the actor that was there. Right, it was like, right. oh, great, let's take some photos. <laughs> What, how exciting, you know, did you see them at any of the museums? Um, I did go to the Racine Art Museum, which was okay. so cool to actually see the quilt hanging, and then they had the little, you know, don't cross this line around oh. it, um, and see the placard. It was really, yeah. really cool to have something up there. <laughs> yeah, that would just be, that would be so exciting, and they're just fabulous quilts, so you, um, Thank you. <laughs> such such a labor of love, though, like you said. You have to really be uh, excited about your yeah. your subject matter. That's uh... <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> now, you also do a little bit of teaching and a little bit of speaking. Are you doing mostly that at some of the bigger conventions like QuiltCon? Um, I haven't jumped into QuiltCon yet, okay. but um, most of my teaching and workshops and lectures are typically within a four-hour drive of St. Louis, okay. Missouri, but I have actually been invited and went to Maine, Nebraska, and I even went to Ottawa, Canada to lecture and give trunk shows. So it's kind of like whatever works, um, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy it because if you can teach someone something else or show someone something that you know they might not think that they could actually do, and then you show them a technique and they're like, I can do this, and they feel inspired. Right. That's what I really appreciate. Yeah, yeah. That and, and people can contact you through your website if they want to check it out. See if you can come visit oh, them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> absolutely. So you, and you're also very involved with your guild, um, the Modern Quilt Guild in St. Louis. You were president for what did you say? Seven years. Seven years, yes. Um, I had founded it in 2010, and 
was president and then just kept trucking along and had yeah. board members on and off. And mm-hmm. then finally, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Right. That's a- <laughs> um, and I wanted to turn the reins over. <laughs> yeah, that's a long reign. Yeah, a lot of uh, but I think when when some of the groups are just starting, if you have somebody very capable like yourself, you know, it's just easier to keep it going for a while with the same person uh, until you, you exhaust. Them. Yeah. And then. Uh, <laughs> So, exactly. so, here's, yeah, so here's my fun question. What is your current favorite tool? So even though I am an Ulfa creator, I will say that I have been an Ulfa customer for years. So my favorite tool, if you can call it a tool, is the Endurance Blade. And the reason why is because I am super lazy at changing my <laughs> rotary blade. True <laughs> Just like changing everybody. the needle on the sewing machine. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I just yes. wait. I keep going. Is this really dull? No, I think I can cut a little bit more. You know? I know. <laughs> I know. And then yeah, when you it's do like, oh, I don't have it, to worry about it. Like, like you know, Christy, when you do change it, you're like, what took me so long, right? It's like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. So we only have about a, a minute. Where do you usually, where do people mostly find where you're writing? Is it on Instagram? Oh, absolutely, which is just my name, Christy Dom. <laughs> okay. All right. So everybody can find Christy out on Instagram and follow along, see what she's uh, up to because there's always something new. And your pattern that you did for the OFA creators, that's on the OFA website, right? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So I'd love to see people make it. <laughs> right, right. And then you can tag Christy and she will, you know, ooh and ah over your creations. And you can go to ulfa.com, exactly. the craft section to find, uh, or just go to St. Louis folkvictorian.com. So Christy, this mm-hmm. has been so much fun. I'm really glad that you, uh, that you had time to join me. Yes. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invitation. I love this. So I'm Pat Sloan, and we are going to take a break. And when we come back, I have one more guest for this afternoon, and we'll be getting right to that, uh, which is Jane Willis coming up. A little bit more modern quilting for us. We'll be right back. to talk for a minute about Babylock. They're passionate about sewing and they're the most knowledgeable group that I've worked with. They want to make all of our experiences successful. Babylock is wonderfully realistic when it comes to their machine lineup. They have a range of machines in various categories and a variety of features. If you don't need a certain function, you can just find a machine that fits you. And best of all, they include my designs on the new Solaris. Start at the beginning. Design your next quilt like the pros. Quilt designers Nancy Mahoney and Alice Blythe both use Electric Quilt 8 software to design their gorgeous quilts, and you can too. Get EQ8 and start designing just minutes after you purchase. Podcast listeners, take 20% off through May 31st, 2019 with code 
pod eq8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and... I am so excited to talk with Jane Willis of Twiggy and Opal. Uh, she is a contributor to American Patchwork and Quilting's family of magazines, so you will probably recognize her work and her name. So, Jane, 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 thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm all excited about this. So tell me how did you get um, quilting? Because you sort of hinted that you had somebody in your family that was um, – sort of uh, maybe nagging you a bit. <laughs> <laughs> nagging is putting it lightly. Um, my daughter, Britt, taught me how to quilt. Um, she just kind of kept on me and kept on me, and I resisted as long as I could because uh, it was never anything I had any interest in at all. Yeah. But uh, she was pretty well, relentless. She, well, was she doing – um, had she been quilting a long time, or was she fairly new to it when she wanted you to quilt learn? Um, she had done. She'd learned how to quilt from her best friend's mom when she was just a little girl. Oh. And at the time she was harassing me about it, <laughs> she was working at a quilt shop. Ah. Oh. And doing a lot of uh, fabric and quilting and projects mm-hmm. there, and uh, so she just kind of picked it up again. Yeah. And so she that knew that, that was, you would like it. She, uh, she did. She does this a lot to me. She makes me do things <laughs> that I don't want to do. <laughs> but I'm glad she did because um, it's been the best thing ever. Yeah. Did you start out doing – you're not really doing traditional, traditional patchwork right now. Did you start out with traditional patchwork? Uh, kind of. I mean, nothing too traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started, the first thing I did was um, get a subscription to American Badgework and Quilting Magazine. Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that gave me a lot of inspiration, and I could kind of look through the pages and see what I liked and what mm-hmm. I didn't like. And so it, it kind of got me started and and got me excited about all kinds of things. Yeah. So when um when you start a project now, like how does that work for you? How do you sort of what is your process? Um boy. <laughs> yeah. Usually I just have like this little inkling of an idea mm-hmm. and instead of taking the time to think it all out, I just kind of jump in. Mm-hmm. And I'll just grab some fabric and and start whatever that idea is, and it just kind of builds along the way. It just I work it out as I go. What did you? What type of things did you make before you quilted? Because you have such a beautiful design aesthetic. Uh, I never I never really did anything. I mean, <laughs> when I was in high school, I, you know, took home ec classes and attempted mm-hmm. to sew and that kind of thing. Um, 
But there was never any artsy, craftsy thing that I ever did or liked to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, did I you mean, like to was... decorate? Are you like, in a, like, do you do a lot of decorating and look at the balance of things? Is that sort of... I don't. I don't know how I come up with the ideas I do. Um, I guess it's just somewhere deep down inside me, but I never knew, you know, I never knew that it was, that I had that. Mm-hmm. It's so just, I guess you, it's intuitive. It's just really, I really like it. I mean, you have such an oh, interesting take on form and shape. Um, so, you know, when when did you first start creating your own designs? Like, was it pretty quickly? It took me a couple few years. Um, my daughter wanted a birthday quilt, but she wanted me to design it my own uh, with oh. my own design. That was the first first one I did, and it was just it was horrible. I mean, the quilt turned out okay, yeah. <laughs> but it was such a horrible process. Um, so then from there, I just kind of took my time and and just started playing around. So you work a lot in solids. Are you working exclusively in solids right now? No, I try to throw in some prints every once in a while. <laughs> but solids just are so much more comfortable for me to play around with. Prints just confuse me. Uh, unless I, you know, unless I get a bundle from a designer that's already picked for me. Mm-hmm. It's or I'm doing a complete scrappy, scrappy quilt. Um, but solids, I just, the colors and just trying to put something together. Yeah. Um, when you, when we're working with solids, are you creating, like, let's say, let's just pick a color, like blue. Uh, do you have a wide um, range of blues that you keep on hand for yourself? Yeah, I like to I like to have all the colors. Um, <laughs> I might not have a a big yeah. piece of it, but you know, as long as I have some of it, mm-hmm. um, I try to keep as much on on hand as possible. I don't usually I don't use a lot of one color mm-hmm. um, unless I specifically have designed something for for colors. But um, usually I just grab what I have and work with it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's change over and talk a little bit about small uh, piecing because uh, some people know you for your tiny, tiny patchwork or tiny piecing. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, when, when you do that, are you doing it in sort of a, a improv mode or are you doing it more in a structured um, building of a block type of mode with small pieces? Um, it, it depends if I'm doing just some improv, um, you know, I'll just, I'll go as small as I possibly can go. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm doing a lot of times, I just like to take like a paper piece pattern, um, either one of my own designs or from another designer. And I just mm-hmm. like to reduce it as small as I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I like to, um, I, I like to just see how small I can go. And <laughs> it's almost like a palette cleanser that I like mm-hmm. to do in between projects. 
Oh, okay. Um, and I'm not sure why that is because they're so tiny that sometimes it's um, a lot more difficult than bigger quilts. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a challenge. Such a, it sort of makes you, you have to stay pretty focused on it. You can't really think about anything else, right? Yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe I like them because a lot of times they can they can be done in just, you know, a couple few hours mm-hmm. and from start to finish. And, you know, it's just, it's just fun. I like to put a little twist on it once in a while. And mm-hmm. especially if I'm working with somebody else's pattern, I like to kind of change it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's the smallest quilt you've made like the whole quilt um well i've made a two by two two inch by two inch little what? star one <laughs> <laughs> including binding so oh jade that's crazy talk <laughs> two inches uh, i know it was fun though it was really fun <laughs> do you know how many pieces were in it it's like how many pieces can you get in there um it was probably about 20 Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. It was a rainbow, so you had to have all the colors. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you do. That's right. That's right. Can't, can't leave any out. Um, no. So, you know, I think one of the things that, that makes people a little, like, like maybe shy away from uh, small patchwork, at least that's, is that it, you can't really hide any imperfections. At least I don't feel like you can. Like, you, everything, you see everything. You know, so yeah. it's, not, if it's not really, really perfect. Uh, yeah. How do, you, how do you deal with that? Um, well, I guess maybe I just embrace the imperfections. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm doing improv or something, um, you know, I'll just keep cutting away at a piece until I think it fits right, or I'll add extra pieces. Sometimes I'll have um, just little tiny pieces. You can hardly tell it's even a piece of fabric, mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of fun to to see the little bits that that you can work into a quilt at the end. Right. At the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is fun. It <laughs> yeah. is fun. Showing up all those little scraps, you know, like then they, especially for people who can't throw their scraps away, it's perfect. You know, they yeah. make, make something out of it. Um, <laughs> well, I like to save every little bit of scrap I can because you never know when you might need that little piece. <laughs> of course. Of course. Like, I see your storage, Jane. Like, what does your storage look like? <laughs> Um, you mean my fabric story? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, I don't think I have that much fabric, but I think none of us think we have that much fabric. (laughs) So all these little pieces are stored. You've got baggies all over the house, you know. Yeah, well, I've got all my little pieces in in plastics and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, by color, so Mm -hmm. I can just grab what I need. They're all ready to go. (laughs) All right, so we we have about two minutes. Um, okay. Well, I wanted to ask you: Is there a place? Because I think you may have I think you may have reached it. You, I asked you in advance. Is there a place that you've always wanted to go to for that has yeah. quilting that you haven't been to yet? Yeah, that would yeah. be QuiltCon. <laughs> and did you get there? I did. I did, and it um, it was pretty amazing. The first couple hours were so overwhelming, mm-hmm. um, but once. You know, you kind of get in the groove of things, and it was so fun. What so was fun. the I was one? So glad. Like, what was one of your impressions of like, you know, oh wow, I didn't know that this is what I'd experience. Um, I think, I mean, you know, besides 
meeting people and mm-hmm. just seeing the quilts. A lot of the quilts and you know I've seen online or Instagram or something, and to see something actually in person um, was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and, look so much different in person. Yeah, they really do, and I can get you know just right up close to <laughs> to things and see how how people have done their work and you know. You did you enter me. anything in the show? I did. I did. I had entered five quilts, mm-hmm. and um, all five of them got in. Wow. I know. I was shocked and so, so happy. <laughs> yeah. That must have been exciting to walk up and see your own quilt. Um, it, it was. It was. It was. I don't even know how to describe it, but it was pretty crazy. Yeah. And one of the quilts is actually going on um, a world tour, hmm. the Best of Quilt Con 2019. It's on tour right now. Oh, congratulations. That's exciting. Everybody yeah. gets to see your quilt wherever yeah. it's traveling to. I know. So, I hope it yeah. gets so, a passport stamp. Ah, yeah. <laughs> get this passport <laughs> So, you know, I do think, like, your experience is something that people should think about. If they have a place that they really want to go, they should make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. I'll I'll definitely be looking for more quilt shows and, you know, museums and all that kind of stuff to, to go see because it's pretty amazing. Well, Jane, this has been so fun. I'm so glad you could join me. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking me. It's it's wasn't as bad as I thought. I wasn't quite as scared as I thought. (laughs) No, it was just great. Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening. I'm Pat Sloan from American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. We'll see you next time. Hi, all, and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.